We talk a lot about ESG. It's the buzzword on Wall Street and the hottest trend in investing. At its core is the belief that elites, scientists, politicians, academics, all know what's best for us, what life should be like, but they want our investments to fund their utopian visions. They tell us that we're under serious threat. Before COVID, it, the big bads were climate change, racism, sexism. So the elites created an investment strategy called ESG. The E stands for environment, the S, social, the G, governance. But if you've been a regular viewer of this program, you realize that the E really stands for eliminate fossil fuels. Per the Green New Deal, the S is social justice and really it's critical race theory. And the G, that's a gender quota agenda. We know that while some ESG investors are very sincere, there are many others who are blatant hypocrites. They're pushing ESG to make a better world, they claim, while at the same time, they're selling out to China. Think about that. Those pushing ESG are literally shoving money into communist China, which is terrible for E, S, and G. The Chinese Communist Party, worst polluters on the planet. They repress their population with social credit scores and even forced human organ harvesting. As for governance, there are always two members of the Communist Party sitting in the back of the room making all the decisions. We've explained ESG as an investment movement and also how hypocritical it is. But now we're doing a series to break it down. We'll, we talk about S in this episode. We've already covered E and we'll in a future episode cover G. Then we'll break down how that really is attacking our liberties, and a preferred alternative is LSV, standing for Liberty, Security, and Values. Here's my question. What's in your portfolio? Social justice, it sounds so good and righteous. The only problem with it is how justice is defined. Now, America was built on the notion of individual liberty. We're supposed to be able to act and think for ourselves, ask questions, make personal decisions. Unfortunately, under the new social justice rules, such thoughts can be deemed racist or sexist. Any word or action that can be determined to be a microaggression is forbidden, even if it's completely unintentional. And it's a woke mob that serves as prosecutor, judge, and jury without you even getting the opportunity to speak for yourself. Clearly, there are real cases of racism and sexism, but a lot of the modern claims, they're nonsense, like claiming that babies are racist, or proper grammar is racist, or math is racist, or French food is somehow racist. Not long ago, you could just laugh off the bizarre claims, but no longer. Social justice has become institutionalized through ESG investing. The big managers, like BlackRock, now insist that companies adopt ESG, or they'll vote against management or even dump shares. In the case of social justice, the progressive left goes even further. They'll boycott or shame any company that fails to go along. And it doesn't matter how ridiculous the claim might be. No company wants to be labeled and identified. We've seen this, where Coca-Cola and Delta Airlines turned on their home state of Georgia. The charge was made that asking for a voter ID was somehow racist. Just ignore that you have to show an ID to board a Delta airplane or to buy one of Coke's new hard seltzers. And just ignore the fact that the company executives couldn't explain why voter IDs were racist or why a majority of black voters really want voter IDs in place to prevent election fraud. 
It's not about making sense. It's about obedience to the orthodoxy. And it's through this mechanism, which is clearly economic warfare, that the far left gets its way. The election law was passed properly through the political process, but the far left used American corporations and economic warfare to force their point. This is very powerful. If you don't agree with the far left, you could lose your job. We have a lot of people losing their liberties, trying to defend their personal individual liberty, so they lose their jobs. Obviously, the vaccine mandate comes to mind, and that's an economic train wreck with deeply personal challenges. The weapon of choice is agree or lose your job. And if you lose your job, you might lose your retirement, not have access to unemployment, and be blackballed from work again. It wasn't supposed to be this way. We were supposed to have our freedom of conscience protected by the law. Sadly, the woke mob under the Biden administration is playing for keeps, and you need to be aware of what's happening. To better understand the real unfolding tragedy, we've invited a friend from First Liberty Institute to the economic war room. This is Lathan Watts. Lathan is the Director of Public Policy. And we're so pleased to have you. Welcome, Lathan. Thank you, thanks for having me. Lathan, you've been around for a while. You've seen the political scene, you've worked with uh, politicians and, and so forth. Have you ever witnessed a climate like we have today? Well, I've worked in politics um, off and on throughout my career, but I was also kind of the weird kid in third grade that, you know, watched the news and couldn't wait to vote. You know, so I've studied the history of politics. And I would honestly have to say, really, what we're seeing right now, I, I don't think that I have studied a period in, in political history in this country since the Civil War where we are as polarized as we are right now, where the two major political parties are as far apart as they are right now, where every aspect of life is politicized to the degree that it is right now. Yeah, no, it's scary. Now, you were on city council, you've worked with governors, you've worked with senators, you've worked with members of the House. I mean, you, you really, you've seen all this, and yet our challenge is this politicization is denying our personal liberties enshrined in the Constitution. Um, certainly. And, you know, that's what First Liberty exists to protect is religious liberty. It's the only kind of case that we handle. Um, a lot of times people think that that's only going to be a pure you know, kind of First Amendment claim. But religious liberty is protected in other ways as well. And you're, in, you're protected in employment situations. Title VII of the Civil Rights Act of 1964 prohibits discrimination in employment matters when it comes to matters of race, sex, or religion. Yeah, well, when I was growing up, the ACLU was consider our protection. We thought, well, they'll defend her. But they don't do that anymore, not to the same degree. No, they really don't. If they were, I think, intellectually honest about what they uh, used to stand for, they would probably be co-counsel with us on some of our cases. And they have been occasionally, but not very often. Not lately. Yeah. All right. Well, Lathan, uh, we've talked about this a lot before, and we're going to have to take a break. But when we come back, I want to talk about one real-world case that you're working on where an individual's religious liberty has been challenged just because she happened to ask a question. It's not that she even stood against them. It's just that she happened to ask a question. Uh, this is one of the most obvious and blatant examples that I've ever seen. I mean, I've been following First Liberty for 20 years. It's getting really scary. So when we come back, I'm going to ask you to tell us about what the woke mob is doing against your client. When I was working at Templeton on the portfolio side, one of my favorite companies to own was Alaska Airlines. They have a great business, and they're historically known for their excellent service. Airline stocks are notoriously challenging to invest in. 
you know, you have these boom and bust cycles and they contend with high capital costs and frequent bankruptcies, but Alaska Airlines stood out. In fact, in 2018, J.D. Power & Associates ranked Alaska Airlines as the highest ranked airline in customer satisfaction, and that was 11 years running. That level of service buys a lot of loyalty from clients and investors. And Alaska, that's a state that's known for their independent political thought, for their individual liberty. In fact, I recently met with the mayor of Anchorage in his office to discuss economic warfare and how to protect his city's citizens. It's a great airline. It's a great state. Go Alaska, right? But we have Lathan Watts here. Lathan, tell us, what's going on with Alaska Airlines? So Alaska Airlines uh, posted a message on their company's internal, like their intranet, uh, basically informing all the employees for Alaska Airlines that Alaska Airlines was uh, all in in support of the Equality Act, um, which if you know anything about the Equality Act, has serious concerns for religious liberty. Um, two flight attendants, um, who at the time didn't even know each other, um, responded to this post. And it's important to point out that when Alaska Airlines posted this message about the Equality Act, they solicited feedback from their employees. They encouraged people to comment about the Equality Act. Uh, Lacey Smith, who's one of our clients, her comment, as you said, um, prior to the break, she posted a question. And the question was, do you believe as a company that it's possible to regulate morality? That was it. That was her comment. That was her question. And she was fired for posting that question. According to Alaska Airlines, merely discussing any issue of sexuality or gender in terms of morality is in itself discriminatory. And so discriminatory, it warrants her losing her job. So we have now filed two separate charges of uh, employment discrimination with the federal EEOC against Alaska Airlines. Well, you know, I, I just saw recently a quote from Albert Einstein, people, the smartest man that lived in modern times. And he said, question everything. Never stop asking questions. Where, how do we get to a country where you're not even allowed to ask a question to see what the answer is? And, you know, if you look at what Alaska Airlines did, if you as a public corporation are going to wade into a controversial political subject, it it's probably a good idea to solicit feedback from your employees. A company that big with that many employees, you are bound to have disagreement right. within the company. Um, but if you do, you can't fire people for giving you feedback you don't like. And that's what they did. Um, and honestly, probably the time to solicit feedback would have been before you made a political statement. Take, yeah. you know, take some feedback from your, from your employees. Um, but that's not what they did. They had already decided they were going to support the Equality Act, and they just told the company, um, we're all in support of the, the Equality Act, give us your feedback. Our two clients did. They didn't like the feedback they got. Our clients, the feedback they provided was based on their religious beliefs on these issues, which is why they're concerned about the Equality Act, and they fired them. But the feedback was in the form of a question. Right. Uh, but... To your point, if the feedback had been not in the form of a question and said, hey, I think you're violating religious rights, they have the right to do that too, don't they? Certainly. I mean, you do not shed the right to live according to what your beliefs are um, when you walk into your, uh, your, your, your employer's campus, when you walk into your job. Um, it's, it's not, you know, the exact same as, say, like a First Amendment claim when you're dealing with the government, but you still have rights in the workplace. Um, and these two flight attendants um, 
were just providing the feedback that they thought the company asked for and were fired for it. And you can't do that. <laughs> you know, that that's why we filed these um, charges with the EEOC, and now we'll have to wait for the EEOC to conduct their investigation and, and determine how to deal with Alaska Airlines. Well, you know, a, a great way to test if it's a principle or if it's just something you want to cram down people is would it work in reverse? And I want to take uh, Hobby Lobby as an example. What if Hobby Lobby said, uh, we believe that Jesus Christ is Lord and that that is going to be the only message that we put out there and we want you to provide feedback and somebody says, I don't believe that and they fired him, what would happen? They would likely be facing a charge of employment discrimination with the EEOC, just like Alaska Airlines is now. Yeah, and, and, and you wouldn't have a problem defending the, the fired employee in that case. No, if, if their opposition was based on their religious conviction. Right. You know, certainly. Yeah, so that's how we know it's a good principle. It has to work equally, equal protection, right? Exactly. Yeah. So in, in this case, uh, what do you do about that? Uh, give me another, actually, I want to ask you about another example because there is a football coach. Tell us about Coach Kennedy. So Coach Joe Kennedy uh, was a football coach in Bremerton, Washington. And long before he ever took the job, he made a commitment to God that if God blessed him with the opportunity to coach, at the end of each game, win or lose, he would go to the middle of the field where the, where the game had been played and take a knee in silent prayer of thanks for the opportunity to coach. And he did that for close to seven years without anyone really having a problem about it. Um, but the school district uh, determined that he could not do that. Um, according to them, they were concerned that this would somehow violate the Establishment Clause because he's a government employee and that prayer, even though it's silent and on a knee for just 15 to 30 seconds, would be him speaking on behalf of the school district, and that is somehow religious speech mixed with government, and they were afraid they would violate the Establishment Clause. Um, what they end up doing, of course, is violating the Free Exercise Clause. You know, that's his speech. It's his individual speech. He's not speaking on behalf of the district. He's not speaking on behalf of the government. So that case has now been going on for close to six years. We went all the way to the Supreme Court. Uh, the Supreme Court initially declined to hear the case, but did something very rare where they issued an opinion as, that kind of explained why they didn't take it. We used that opinion as a playbook for Coach Kennedy, went back down to the federal district court, got some things clarified, went back up through the, through the appeals process. Uh, just earlier this year, the Ninth Circuit ruled against him again. That freed us up to go back to the Supreme Court. So we've just now filed another petition with the Supreme Court. And you know, the Supreme Court just opened their term. And so now we wait to see if they will take his case this time. Yeah. No, these are important issues, though. If you can't express your religious beliefs, I think on the opposite side of it, if Muslims said, hey, look, um, I want to have my prayer time after the game, after, you know, and, and do it. And people, no, 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 we can't allow. I, I think it's important what you're doing. We're going to have to take another break. When we come back, I want to talk about some of the other cases because you've been a lot of cases and it's heating up in a big way for First Liberty Institute. These are the real challenges that we're facing. And First Liberty is a great, and I, full disclosure, I'm on the advisory board there, so I'm very proud of the work they're doing, but they're the real leader in this. When we come back, we'll talk about some of the other things and some of the economic implications, how this is going to really impact you. So let's take that break. So, Lathan, if you're under threat of losing your job, uh, that's economic warfare. They're literally forcing an anti-Christian or even anti-religious position on people. Um, one of the big hot, hot topics is vaccine mandate. 
Tell us about that and what First Liberty is doing. Certainly. So there, at First Liberty, as you've probably mentioned before, we represent people of any faith anywhere in America. And there are people across a broad spectrum of faith traditions that have deeply held religious convictions when it comes to the theology of the body, including vaccines. We have been inundated uh, with calls on this issue. So what we've done is we have created a resource and put it right at the top of our website that if you go to firstliberty.org, it's a free download and is a, um, basically a toolkit to, that you can walk yourself through and walks you through the process of how to ask for um, a religious exemption to whatever uh, mandate, whether it's your employer, um, is, the, is a private employer, government, military, whatever the case may be. Well, not mandates. I saw something about the Amish. Now, the Amish uh, really don't adopt a lot of technology, and this is really a high-tech vaccine. There's no, no doubt about that. Uh, but I saw a court ruling against their religious rights. Yeah, in some ways, we're kind of in, in uncharted territory um, in the law. And so, um, you know, we're constantly looking at, you know, every request for help that comes in. Uh, we, we, we need to be careful. We have limited time and resources as well. So we want to make sure that we've got good clients with good facts and a good jurisdiction so that we can win and create good law. Uh, because sometimes there's our, there can be a temptation to rush to court on issues. And if you do that, sometimes you can end up inadvertently you know, losing a case and making bad law and making the situation even worse. So that's why we've asked everyone to go to our website first and read through that toolkit, request your exemption. And then if you're denied the exemption, come back and request legal help after that. Well, let me take the other side of this. What if I want everybody to get vaccinated because I'm worried about my own personal health what gives someone a religious right to a, to uh, oppose a vaccine? Well, I mean, going back, you know, many, many years um, throughout uh, the court's jurisprudence and just generally accepted principles of law, people have a right to live according to their beliefs. And that can look, you know, very different according to what the circumstances are. But it's not exclusive. It's not excluded from issues surrounding health care. And, you know, vaccines uh, going back, you know, many, many years. There, as I said, there are people from a, a wide variety of religious backgrounds who have deeply held convictions on these issues. Uh, some of the people who have contacted us have never been vaccinated ever in their life. Um, and so this is nothing new for them. And, you know, it's a well-established principle that people can request, based on deeply held religious convictions, to be exempt from certain requirements. And so that's why we put together the, the toolkit that's on the website. People can read through it and uh, kind of educate themselves on it. What if it. they just came to that conviction? Though? What if, what if it, it just came to them uh, like, really, I, I think God wants me going this way and I'm obeying? What happens then? Well, they still have a right to it. I mean, there, there are a lot of people that maybe have never considered this issue up until now. And so maybe it was this particular vaccine that prompted them to study more about what their faith teaches and arrive at a decision. And if they arrived at a decision, you know, that is in keeping with their uh, religious beliefs that prevents them from taking this vaccine, then they should request an exemption of that religious belief. Ah, I appreciate that. And what First Liberty is doing. Yeah, from our perspective, this is an economic war. If you don't comply, you lose your job. Or you have to, if, if you don't do this, then you have to pay this fine. Or you have to, this whole economics, it's all economics. It always seems to be about the money. First Liberty is fighting this fight. 
Uh, and you need money to do that for one thing. And, and I call that an investment in First Liberty. Uh, but tell us about your model and why you've enjoyed such great success in what you're doing. Uh, certainly. So we have a small group of lawyers that work full-time for First Liberty Institute, about 15 attorneys that work full-time in-house for us. But we also have a network of volunteer attorneys who are in private practice in firms around the country who volunteer to work with us. And that allows us to take a case really anywhere in the country. They donate their time pro bono as well. So no client of First Liberty ever gets a bill for our representation. That's so that's why um, First Liberty is a C3 and uh, supported by donors. As you said, that's um, that's that's an important part of our model because a lot of these cases can go on years and years sometimes, especially if something goes all the way to the Supreme Court. If we were billing our clients just at the average rate that attorneys bill, most of them would not be able to afford to take the stand that they are. And these are important things that need to be clarified you know, by the Supreme Court. Um, the, the cases sometimes become, and our clients understand this, the wins become even bigger than them. Yeah. You know, we're, we're there to win for them. But when the principle of that law is established, it's going to protect not just them, it's going to protect all of us. Well, the closest I've ever been to being a client is I'm on the advisory board of Christians Engaged, and you stood up and, and fought for them. But I've never been a client, and yet I feel like you're protecting my religious liberties by fighting for others that are maybe in similar or dissimilar situations. Certainly. Yeah, I mean, the, the principle applies to all of us. And frankly, I don't feel like I'm, that I deserve a right if I'm unwilling to protect it for someone else, whether or not we agree. You know, our, our clients, like I said, are of varying religious backgrounds and we probably disagree vehemently on theology. But what we agree on is their right to live according to their faith. Yeah. Well, thank you, Lathan. Thank you, First Liberty. I really appreciate it. You know, First Liberty Institute is a phenomenal group, and they're fighting an economic war. Uh, it's couched in slightly different terms, but it's defending your right to, to work or start a business or run the business that you have according to your beliefs. So what do we do in an economic war? We have to weaponize our money. Jesus said, if you can't be faithful with unrighteous mammon, Nobody's ever going to trust you with true riches. So what I'm asking all our audience to do is, is three things. Weaponize your money, including your giving, and First Liberty is a great place for that, including your spending. Spend with people that support your values, and especially including your investing. Now, if you're a shareholder of Alaska Airlines, we learned that Alaska Airlines has discriminated, from our perspective, uh, against their employees' religious freedoms. And so make your voice heard at Alaska Airlines. This should be true with every stock you own. Tell the woke companies to wake up and stop this nonsense. Vote your proxies. And you probably don't even know how to vote proxies. Ask your financial advisor. And if you don't have a financial advisor, get one and get them trained at Economic War Room. So you can nominate your financial advisor at economicwarroom.com. We're training at Liberty University. We're going to train 10,000 advisors, weaponize a trillion dollars of capital to defend all of our liberty. Now, if your advi financial advisor is ready to help you, that's great. If not, find a new financial advisor if they're not willing. Now, as we shift the economics, we'll see America wake up and become less woke. Proxy voting will make a difference. Supporting First Liberty will make a difference. Where, Lathan, can you learn about First Liberty? Firstliberty.org. Firstliberty.org. Thank you so much. We appreciate having you in, in the economic war room. Look, our online advisor training is about to launch at Liberty University. We're going to start with an advisor track, but if you're a client and you don't have an advisor, we're going to have a client track for you also. And if you want a financial advisor and don't have one, check with us. 
Go to economicwarroom.com forward slash advisor. This, I believe, is the most important initiative that I've got in my life. So what I need you to do, remember, what we see as a marketplace, our enemies view as a battle space. Get your free economic battle plan at economicwarroom.com. This is Kevin Freeman from the Economic War Room. Thank <laughs> you.